And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a live room edition of State of the Nation. You got the whole crew here. Me, Tashawn Reed, Ted Nguyen, Vic Tafer, he's popping in and out. There he is. Uh, we, we found Ted. We were able to uh, go around the world and, and locate him, bring him back. And uh, what's going on, guys? Uh, training camp edition here at the uh, live room podcast. Good, man. We got a... Got a rare off day here today. Um, I think Vic's back in Vegas. Are you, are you back yet, Vic? I'm back, man. A little family time, a couple days, but I'm back. So I'm on my way to go. Yeah, man. Gearing up Friday through Sundays. Get back to it. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm officially back in business now. My friend got married in Germany and it's been it was planned for a long time. So I went to Germany and took a little trip to Italy uh, while, I'm at, while I was at it. But back, um, back in gear and ready to go. Get a bonus or something, man. Where you get this money from? That's that's that's, that's some, hey, trust some me, expensive it travel. It was discount flights, man. It was a uh, <laughs> it was difficult getting there. How, how said, many uh, hey. how many John Denver songs were you singing when you were there? John Denver songs. Uh, yeah, John Denver's uh, huge in Germany. Oh, is he? Uh, honestly, Who the fuck is John I, Denver? I, I, don't, I don't even know who John Denver is. <laughs> Who's John Denver? <laughs> you young, mo- young mofos. Right, well, this, well, this has gone off the rails quickly. Well, it always does. Yeah, uh, we. I, I'm just ready for Ted to bring out some Brandon Parker takes. Did you Did you get any Brandon Parker takes over in Germany? <laughs> oh man, the, the, the Brandon Parker takes have been re- hot and ready to go. I'm just just waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> All right, well, we are, what are we, 10 days away from the Raiders' preseason opener against the Niners, um, which, you know, preseason games are what they are. Um, what will be more exciting will be next week when the Niners come into town and uh, you've got those two joint practices on Thursday and Friday. Um, those are typically the more intense. And then the Raiders have the joint practices the following week with the Rams. Um, that's kind of going to be the most exciting part of this preseason. But um, Vic, Deshaun, you guys have been there through the first you know week watching those practices. Um what what have been the biggest takeaways that you guys have seen so far? Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, we talked about last week. He's healthy. He's out there. Um, you know, working off some rust, I guess. Um, but what what are the biggest takeaways so far? I think I've been a little bit surprised by the the competitiveness of the defense overall. Um, I, I think we all kind of looked at the roster this year and um, not really expected much of that unit, but. Um, they've been pretty pretty fiery throughout training camp so far, especially during the padded practices. Um, you know, it's just a little bit difficult to gauge the, the run game, you know, sometimes. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of pass defense, like they've been pretty competitive with the receivers and tight ends. And, um, you know, they, they've made a lot of plays on the ball, whether that's interceptions or pass deflections. 
Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of, you know, expected the offense, um, you know, once once Jimmy G got back, worked into the mix to to be performing well, but the defense is, has sort of surprised me so far. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Marcus Epps has looked good. Uh, Jacorian Bennett, uh, David Long, guys, and stuff like they're competitive and kind of fiery and know what they're doing in the right spot. There's some good chemistry developing between the Epps and Merrick. So I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's early. It's really hard to make too big of a judgment off these things, but I do like some of the new faces on defense uh, thus far. What are we kind of looking for over this next week um, as, as we get ready for those joint practices? I mean, where, who, who are the, the players that kind of have them are going to have the most approved, especially in these next couple of weeks, especially in those joint practices when the intensity starts ratcheting up, obviously we talked about it last week that the young defensive linemen that we really are, are counting on seeing, we still haven't seen them. That's disappointing. Um, but what else are we kind of looking for? What do we want to start seeing out of practice? Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be the offensive line outside of Colton Miller. I think he's you know, obviously pretty pretty much proven himself at this point in his career. But, um, you know, the, the, the interior offensive line, you know, particularly against in pass protection, really struggled last year. Um, and, and obviously the 49ers have a, a pretty fearsome defensive front, you know, arguably the best one in the league and, and, and still pretty good, even without um, Nick Bosa out there right now. Obviously, he has a contract situation going on, but I'll really be keyed in on them during the joint practices. And then, you know, at, at right tackle, Jermaine Illuminor, um, he's somebody that, you know, throughout OTAs and even going into training camp, he pretty much had that, that starting job on lock, but the last couple of padded practices, we saw Thayer Munford out there running with the first team offense during team drills. And so it seems like it still might be a, a little bit of competition at that spot. And so both of those guys, um, you know, kind of, you know, their, their first chance to prove themselves against somebody else besides, you know, their teammates. But, um, you know, for the second year in a row, I guess, you know, kind of the offensive line will, will be something I'm really honed in on. So Brandon Parker's not uh, rotating in the, the first team? No. No. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, I'll say, uh, besides D line, looking at the at the linebackers, I mean, Robert Spillane talks a good game. We'll see what he can do. Uh, I thought the guy from the Broncos might be a, a roster guy, Moaga, but he got waived, so he's obviously out. So, maybe a bigger chance for Luke Masterson to kind of take over a, a role again, like last year. Uh, tight ends, they waived OJ Howard, so you got to look at uh, you know, Michael Mayer and Jesper Horsted making good progress. They might be guys who can, you can count on in the red zone and on third down. So just those guys kind of developing and showing that they're ready to, to make a big move this year. Yeah, I guess kind of as an extension of the offensive line, you know, I, I know it's kind of went viral on Twitter a little bit, but Michael Mayer got, got baptized um, by, by Max Crosby his first day in pads, which, you know, Max Crosby does that to a lot of people. So nothing to, to be embarrassed about too much there. But, you know, Ricky tight ends do usually have an acclimation process when it comes to blocking. And so, um, again, you know, seeing how he holds up against that 49ers defensive front, um, because ultimately I'll decide, you know, whether he's able to, you know, really take a hold of that starting job. I think I think we all know what he can do as a pass catcher, big contested catch guy. But if he can't block, especially in McDaniel's offense, it's, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, tight end is a difficult acclimation for any rookie because they have to learn how to be NFL blockers and NFL receivers at the same time. So and, and Mayer is a guy who's billed as a guy who can't do both of those things so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make an instant impact I wouldn't be too discouraged if he didn't make an instant impact as well and about the Crosby baptism I'm not surprised at all you know when I did an article with Crosby a little earlier this month we just kept on watching clips of him destroying tight ends after tight ends and these are good tight ends like he made George Kittle look bad so um, you know it's not surprising at all if uh, Mayor struggles against Crosby and it might be 
um, a good thing to go against a guy of, of that caliber day after day. Yeah, I think the other thing, obviously, is, you know, it would be Jimmy Garoppolo's first time going up against the, the 49ers in a sense, um, you know, since since they basically decided to move on from him this offseason. So, you know, he's been talking a lot of shit so far um, during training camp with his teammates. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets into it a little bit with his old teammates from the 49ers. Yeah, because we're having some problems with the queue, I'm going to go head through the comments here and try to uh, pluck through some questions. Uh, we'll start with uh, Marcus W. was the first guy to jump in with a question. Uh, interested in the top surprise cut candidate. Uh, anybody so far that would jump out at you that, that you know would be a surprise cut candidate? Damn, man, we start negative already. Jeez, surprise yeah. cut. Goodness. Vic, you want to give um, us yours? No, nah, you guys know mine. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I still have questions about Hunter Renfro and his status on the team, but uh, he's played well and he's saying all the right things. So, um, I won't say he's going to get cut, but um, I still am uh, not sure if he's on the roster today, but uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, again, he's saying all the right things. So, is Justin Daniels, and he's played well so in camp, so maybe uh, they can make it work. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the Hunter Renfro thing, struggling last year. You, you know, we, we've all heard about how difficult this offense is to pick up for wide receivers. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Renfro finally feels at home this uh, this season in, in, into this offense. Is that David A. finally getting it in? We got, uh, we, uh, he, he came back onto the queue and got him back on. We've got him on the stage. Uh, I think he muted himself, uh, but let's uh, try to get him unmuted. There we go. What's up, David A.? Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, I just, I just landed. Um Got back from Tahoe. So, do we think this right tackle um, job is is? Do you think Fair Mumford can win it, or what are you guys seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's getting first team reps at times, so obviously he's he's in the mix. Um, I would I wouldn't rule it out. Um, you know, Jermaine Illuminor, he's kind of been an up and down player throughout his career, and he kind of goes through these hot and cold streaks, I would say. And so, um, you know, I think a big issue with him really has been penalties. You know, he's got it pre snap. Um, even post snap situations, he, he struggles a little bit to, you know, stay consistent. And so, if he has some some significant lapses, especially once he's joint practices start and, and Mumford plays well, I think he could make up the gap. Um, you know, I don't want to react too much. Like it's only, you know, a week and a half of, of practice so far, and you know, we still have over a month left to go before the season gets here. So it's far from decided, but it's definitely um, something that I would still consider a competition. Okay, I mean, I know Derek didn't play well last year, but let's not pretend like that. The uh, the line pass blocked really well, and if we're gonna pray to God that Jimmy G stays upright, I mean, I know he's tough and he takes a lot of hits, but I mean, if we're not gonna use Devonte Adams deep down the field, I can see him being pissed off. So we're gonna have to take some shots. So hopefully that that line holds up. And good surprise when I land. I see you guys doing a live uh... last year, and they kind of build off that, and definitely has some confidence. Definitely wants to prove he's one of the better right tackles in the league. So. That's always a good thing. Got some connection issues okay. with Vic a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah but, you okay. know, I mean, you know, the offensive line, like you said, you know, they, they ran block pretty well, run block pretty well last week, last year, but pass blocking was, was definitely an issue. And so, um, you know, with Jimmy G's, not that Derek Carr is from Scrambler, but he's, he's a fairly mobile guy and Jimmy G is not. And so if those struggles continue this year, it, it may be, you know, even more of an issue. Um, you know, given his lack of mobility. Um, I know you mentioned the deep shots, and the, uh, I think the second question down there is, you know, how, how does Jimmy G look? I, I think he's been fine, you know, short, short to intermediate stuff. He's been pretty on the money. The timing's been been pretty good. He's, he's handled the line of scrimmage pretty well, but 
the deep ball accuracy just just hasn't been there. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to just working out chemistry um, with receivers and getting a feel for them. Um, you know how fast they are and, and things of that nature. Um, he's never really been known as a deep 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 throw guy anyway. But you know with some of the, the, the options that they have, you know Devonte Adams, obviously uh, Trey Tucker having some speed. Guys like Philip Dorsett, DeAndre Carter having some speed. Like you know, I you you would think that they added those guys, um, you know, with the thought of pushing it downfield like they did last year. And so you know, ideally by the time the season rolls around, we, we see Garoppolo make some strides when it comes to you know the deep ball that he's displayed so far. Well, good, and hopefully we don't see a Brian Hoyer ever. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, thanks, David. We appreciate it, man. Um, all right, we are. I think we're going to mostly try to stick to the uh, the comment section for questions, just because of you guys can tell the uh, the issues that we tend to have bringing people on stage. Uh, we we got some questions and comments coming in about the cornerback uh, situation. ENC uh, says, "I feel like the cornerback is going to be the most competitive, even if we know the two starters. Lots to be determined within the rotation." Um, and I mean, I. Do we know the two starters? I, I, it kind of depends on what they end up doing with Hobbs, I think, a little bit. Um, you know, what, what do we think of the cornerback situation? And, you know, how is Marcus Peters looking? I know what he had his first interception of camp I think yesterday. Uh, what, what are we seeing there? Yeah, I mean, Marcus Peters, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if he's not one of the starters on the outside. Uh, yeah. You know, if he's, uh, you know, he, he's been challenging Devontae Adams, I would say, in, in one-on-ones pretty often. And, Devontae Adams has been getting the best of him more times than not. But, hey, you know, he's not going to be you know, defending Devontae every, every time. But I think he's looked solid overall. You know, he's still kind of, you know, working working his way into the groove. He joined the team late, obviously, just, just at the start of training camp. So he's getting his bearings a little bit. Um, you know, I think at the other spot, you know, the top two options right now are Ja'Cory and Bennett, the rookie they took in the fourth round this year, and then David Long. They've been the guys that have impressed me the most and, you know, they've been kind of rotating first team snaps opposite of Marcus Peters. Um, and so those those are the two guys I would say are in the mix at the outside spot. Um, you know, Nate Hobbs, he missed the first week of camp after taking a, a hit to the eye. But since he's been out there this week, um, he's been working pretty much exclusively at Nickelback and saw him working with the, the first team offense the last couple of days. And so, um, you know, it seems like he has an inroad to that job. And so I think it's really, you know, moving forward, it's about who wins that second outside cornerback job opposite of, of, of Peters. All right, looking through us, look through some of the other questions here. Uh, at this point, Michael asks, at this point in camp, do any of you see O'Connell having any shot at moving past Hoyer as QB2? And I, my, my sense on the situation, you guys can tell me what you think. Is I, I feel like if something were to happen to Garoppolo long term, that there would be a decent chance that you would elevate O'Connell above Hoyer. But um, as long as you just need that backup, that guy to come – jump into a game, do a spot start, uh, that, that's probably what they like Brian Hoyer for. Yeah, it's early yet, but I'm not really seeing much of O'Connell to think he's even in a discussion yet. So, I mean, again, it's really early. It's a new offense. A lot for a rookie to take, but it's a little premature. I think he's even close to uh, bypassing Brian Hoyer. That's, you know, Brian Hoyer's a veteran guy brought in for, for a reason. So, I'll just be more on O'Connell next month or so to think he has any chance to be a factor this year. Yeah, I, I haven't been too moved by O'Connell either. You know, every time we ask about him, obviously they, they all say good things. But um, you know, I mean, I mean, he's it's, it's early on. You know, uh, don't want to judge him too harshly at this point. But Brian Hoyer seems to have a, a pretty solid hold on that backup job. You know, like like Jimmy said, like you know, if it's a situation where you know, knock on wood, Garoppolo's out for like a long term period of time, I think at some point they would give O'Connell a shot just to see what he has, but. 
as it is right now, he seems to be pretty far away. All right. Michael S. is asking, why is no one talking about Tyree Wilson? Josh McDaniel seems to be keeping his health very close to the vest. Did he have a setback or could we expect to see him ramping up during next week's scrimmages? And I think, Michael, you answered your own question. Um, I mean, coaches and teams at this point are not required to give us any information on injuries. A lot of teams do. A lot of teams don't. The Raiders, especially under McDaniels, are one of those teams that do not. Um, we saw that's the reason there was two, three months of wondering and worrying about Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I mean, without knowing what the deal is with Tyree, I, I mean, it's, there's really not a whole lot to say. He's he's not on the practice field, and um, nobody's given you guys any information in terms of timelines. And without that, uh, it's just kind of in a wait-and-see mode, right? Yeah, I mean, he he suffered – a lot of people – I guess people forgot, but he his last season at Texas Tech, he suffered yeah, a broken hard to foot play last, last November. Uh, I was just saying, he, he suffered a broken foot last November, and he's been inactive since – not inactive, but he, he's been out since then. Like didn't them. work out at the combine and um, didn't work out at his pro day and, and things of that nature and didn't participate through OTAs. And so they've been bringing him along pretty slowly. I know when he got drafted, he said that he expects to be back at some point during training camp. Um, again, we're only two weeks in, and, and there's over a month left to go before the season gets here. So he still has time to to work his way in before you know th- things are kicking off. But uh, it seems like they're just kind of preaching caution. I don't think there's been any sort of setback um, or anything like that with his injury. All right, let me jump through and find another question. Um, uh, Jason L wants to know: Can you guys elaborate on the release of tight end OJ Howard? Was it related to an injury? Uh, not that I know. I, also, like I just it sounds kind of harsh. I don't. I don't think it matters that much like he i think he was third or fourth in the tight end rotation like he, he wasn't somebody that was like in in, in no line to be a starter for them this year um like it pretty much has been michael mayer or austin hooper who's taking the majority of the snaps um you know behind him um you know maybe maybe hooper could have or uh howard could have competed for that third spot but he just really wasn't getting that much run um he had missed a few practices throughout otas um you know, so, I and mean, he's a, he has been a guy that's had injury issues in the past, but it, it seemed like more of a performance-based thing in my mind. Um, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of fell behind in that that backup tight end race. It's kind of interesting, though. I wonder if injuries did affect him overall in his career because I, I I went back and watched some of him in Tampa Bay. I was studying you know Todd Monken and his offense in prepar- you know in preparation for some uh, Raven con- Ravens content and. Um, just watching him, I was like, man, you know, this guy has some juice to him. You know, I, you know, I didn't think he was going to be a star tight end, but I thought he would have usage if he was healthy. But, um, I, I, you know, just going back to watch him a little bit with the Buccaneers, I, I was surprised that uh, he was cut this early. You know, maybe he was a significant slowed, slowed down by injuries or whatever it was with the Texans. But, um, you know, I thought he would have some usage as a third, fourth tight end. So I, I was surprised to see him get cut that, this early. I was going to add on uh, back on Tari Wilson. I was going to say that, you know, way back when, you're supposed to work out for teams two weeks before the draft. That never happened. But then, you know, you hear that um, yeah, the Raiders are going to say the optimistic is going well, but it's hard to have a lot of confidence because you know, they're not going to tell us if it's not going well. We don't really know what he's, what he's up to. But um, there was the rumor that's why he kind of slipped in the draft because people were concerned about his, his foot, and here we are. And But so you hope for the best, but I think there's still some, uh, some real reason for doubt about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if he was supposed to work, if he was supposed to work out at some point, you know, pre-draft, and he's still not practicing now, I mean, you would have to assume it, there's a setback to some degree. Um, how serious? Who knows? I mean, that's the beauty of misinformation this time. I mean, they're they're keeping it quiet, and 
you know, sometimes silence is a little bit scary, but with the Raiders, you, you, you don't really like, you don't want to read too much into them not giving us information because even, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo, they told us nothing and we saw that he ended up being fine for the start of camp. So I don't want to miss like overread the, the silence, but uh, you would have to think there's been some sort of setback at least. Yeah. I mean, what we do know is we do know there was different degrees of uh, concern with his foot from other teams. So, um, you know, who knows what the current situation is right now, but the you know, other teams were a lot more concerned uh, with Wilson and, and his health than others. Yeah. And I mean, there's gotta be a lot of pressure on, on Dave Ziegler right now to uh, regarding this situation, because, you know, we kind of were able to, we haven't really had any chance to evaluate him as a drafter yet because his first draft, they trade away those first two picks and basically their whole rookie class. Um, yeah. You know, pretty much except for Dylan Parham, like most of the rookie class didn't play. We didn't, you know, we haven't seen those D tackles and we haven't seen Zamir white. Um, and then, you know, this year, okay, we're going, we're, you know, we're going to see, okay, you have a top 10 pick. You got the number seven pick that, that in itself is some pressure. You know, you need to land an impact player at number seven. I mean, if they end up with a guy who's, you know, we're, again, we're not overreacting, but um, you know, there's, there's gotta be a little pressure to make sure that he, he comes out and he's healthy and that he's ready to go when he gets out there. All right, I think I had a question earlier. I forget who was it from, but uh, any early thoughts on Zamir White? Obviously, he's going to be the guy that that's going to get a, a good long look as long as Josh Jacobs is out, and you know who knows how long that'll be. I think the expectation still is probably that he'll show up sometime before Week One, but we're not going to see him in camp. So, um, Zamir White, how's he looked early on in camp? Yeah, the two padded practices, I thought he he looked pretty good. Um, you know, I, I would say the. The defense has been winning in the run game as well, but he did have a one nice play where he ran over a defender um, for a couple extra yards. And then um, the second day, he, he broke a long run down the left sideline, probably about a 40 yard run. Um, but, you know, he's more of a power back, um, kind of old school, but he, he does have some, some speed to separate once he does make it to the second level. Um, you know, I, th- I think he also has looked pretty good in, in pass blocking drills um, that they have when the running backs matched up against the linebackers. Um, and, and it seems like he's improved a bit when it comes to blitz pickup. And so, um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, as you would expect, he's, he's taken a step step forward in year two. Um, you know, he has been splitting, I would say, starting duties a little bit with Amir Abdullah. They put him in there more so for, for passing responsibilities. Um, Zamir isn't really known for his uh, receiving ability. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, in, in the worst case scenario that you know, Jacobs isn't around into the season, I think it would be more of a, a running back by committee approach. But, when it comes to, you know, just, just handing it off and running it, you know, he's been looking pretty good so far. We'll go through a few more questions and uh, we'll keep this one short. And uh, Jordan S wants to know, is there any noticeable difference so far between last year and this year in terms of the cohesion on defense in uh, Patrick Graham's scheme? Are guys playing faster or is it, or has communication improved? Yeah, they haven't, I wouldn't say they've been empty in the toolbox in terms of uh, different coverages and exotic schemes and things of that nature. They've, they've kept it pretty vanilla early on um, kind of just letting guys go out there and compete. And, um, but you know, they, they seem to have a, a firmer grasp when they won't be asking about it um, and, and, and more comfortable. I would say more notably, most notably the Trayvon Morrig at, at safety um, doesn't seem to be panicking as much as he was last year when he was put in certain situations. Um, they haven't really given up many explosive plays at all when it comes to team drills through the air. Um you know, I, I would say the linebackers have actually looked pretty good in coverage as well. Devon Diablo keeps keeps dropping the interception opportunities he has, but he's had a few, um, you know, pretty nice pass breakups and near interceptions. And 
um, you know, it, it seems like at least just just off of practice so far, um, you know, they're they're playing a little bit faster and making more plays on the ball, whether that's turnovers or pass deflections or whatever it may be. And so, um, again, it's early. We don't want to overact too much, um, you know. And again, they haven't done that much when it comes to, you know, implementing some of the more exotic things they may do as we get closer to the season. But they look pretty good so far. All right. Let me see if we got any other uh, questions. Uh, Mario P was wondering, uh, I, I have not read this yet, but did either of you guys, anybody have any thoughts on Charles Robinson's Yahoo Sports article from today? Uh, I'm looking at the headline and I think it's a lot of the stuff that we've been saying. You know, the Raiders can't say it, but this is a reconstruction. Now comes the necessary pain of patience. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we spent a lot of this offseason, right, kind of wondering what are the Raiders doing? You know, they they have enough star players that they can't call it a rebuild. And you've got, you know, guys that are invested in the league at their position in Crosby and, and Adams. You know, you spent a pretty good de- chunk of change on Jimmy Garoppolo bringing him in. You know, you have been wanting to convince Josh Jacobs to come back and play for you. But like, just look at the rest of that defense. You look at the investment on the offensive line. I mean, it, it, it does feel like a team that's kind of just stuck in this no man's land. Yeah. I mean, it's like they, um, you know, they're not going all in like they did last year as far as big signings. But like you said, they had star players that they can't just leave hanging and just go completely depleted. So they're kind of like, you know, got these investments, but they're not, you know, high, high investments. And then you look at their draft class and, you know, I, I don't think they drafted like this on purpose. But, you know, Tyree Wilson, um, you have to wait a little bit for him to get back. Michael Mayer, like we talked about, tight ends take a little while to transition uh, Trey Tucker doesn't seem like, you know, it seems like a, a guy that could make a little bit of impact this year, but, um, he, you know, it looks like a guy that's going to take a little while to develop into this offense. Um, so just everything that they've done pointed points towards gearing up uh, towards the future, but at the same time, not just abandoning your star guys this year. They're going to try and hope the clicks in the training camp and they're going to try their best. And hopefully, you know, Max Rousey and Devontae Adams can lead this team somewhere, but, if it doesn't work out, then they're going to kind of shrug and say, well, we kind of knew this was coming. We kind of knew this is where we were at, and but we're on a three- or four-year plan, and, and that'll be it. So it's not really um, – they're in the middle. They're not, they're not all in. They're not, not trying. They're kind of uh, seeing what they can do, and, and maybe something clicks and some magic happens. If not, then, oh, well, here, here we are. Yeah, I don't really think it's anything surprising based on their offseason comments. Like I, I talked to Dave a couple of times, and you know, he pretty much consistently said they're trying to play it down the middle, like not really going for it in the same way they were in, in year one. Uh, not necessarily tearing it down either, but um, sort of this slow rebuild, I guess, is, is the way to say it. Um, I guess the best comparison is probably something like the Lions have done the past couple of years. Is is probably you know what they're aiming for, but. Um, you know, and owner Mark Davis, when he talked at the owners meetings, um, you know, he, he kind of said, you know, he, they're, they're kind of beating around using the word rebuild, but he basically said it's a rebuilding time change of quarterback and that he expected last year to be a tough year and things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't, that's why I've pretty consistently said a lot of people, have, you know, the opposite, the topic came up last year, you know, job security for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, but with all the messaging that we've had before the season even starts, like, I mean, it seems like pretty much either way it goes, like this regime is making it to year three. And then that, at that point, that's when, you know, expectations are going to drive up. But, but this year it, it seems to be, you know, pretty intentionally tempered. The weird thing about that approach is like, I mean, generally a regime 
like year three is supposed to be the go year, right? That's like, that's the year you're supposed to kind of take that next step. And I mean, the way they've set this up, like they stepped back in year one, they look like they're continuing that step back in year two. And then like year three is going to be like the start of the rebuild or I mean, I I don't know where they really expect to be in year three. And you know, I mean, do you, do you end up like, okay, well, year one is where we restart and then you get three years from there. Like, I mean, you know, Mark, like, like you've written Vic, Mark wants to try to be patient, but how patient will he actually be? Um, how patient should he be? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, but it's, it's, it's been a weird process. Um, and I, I'd like to say that you hope that these guys can figure it out, but I mean, the last 20 years of Raiders football is, has uh, I think soured a lot of people on, on the idea that uh, suddenly this weird rebuild process is going to work out. Yeah, yeah, I think I think part of what made their situation a little bit unique was like typically you don't have a coaching change coming off a playoff breakthrough, which is what they had in 2021. But obviously, since Gruden, um, you know, moved on, and you know, they, they didn't, you know, Rich Bisaccia kind of accomplished that as an interim. It's kind of a weird spot where you know you take over a playoff team. You can't really intentionally go backwards when you take over a playoff team. It's like, all right, we, unless somebody, your quarterback retires or something. So they had to go for it pretty much last year. And they kind of realized, you know, this team actually just isn't good enough. And so, you know, they, they kind of went from going for it in year one to kind of restarting the rebuild in, in a strange way. And so I think that's what's thrown the numbers off and the timeline off. Like you said, Jimmy, like usually year three is the year where, you know, you're kind of expecting the regime to go for it, but, you know, They've, they've kind of started in, in a weird way going forward and now, now going backward. And so it's just all over the place. Like, I, I think they're kind of still trying to figure out what exactly they have and what they're working with. And, and obviously that's not something the fan base wants to hear, but I mean, it seems to be a reality right now. If, if we had yeah. time travel, I'm sure they go back in time and don't trade you know, two picks for Devontae Adams, but they did. And so, and now they have the best receiver in football. So you can't really not, Try and win if you have the best guy in football. So I think um, hindsight being twenty twenty, they probably don't trade those two picks, and they're kind of definitely on a much better rebuilding path. But um, here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, the strange thing is, like, typically a rebuild starts with a, a quarterback, but if you're trying to straddle this line and win games, you're going to kind of take yourself out of position to draft a quarterback. So when exactly does – the rebuilding begin, you know, it's, it's such a, uh, I mean, you know, who knows, maybe a guy falls to you in the middle of the first round that that could happen too. But um, it, it's just a, a strange line to straddle. I, I think. I guess the rebuild begins when you, uh, you send Devonte Adams out and try to recoup some of that draft capital you traded away. Right. At some point that has to be a consideration. Yeah, then you get the then you get to eat the dead cap. I mean, but I guess that could, you don't. Know, I mean, when you're rebuilding, you kind of stop caring about the the immediate true. dead cap, and you just you you want to reset your situation. But hey, it's it's too early to be that doom and gloom. It's uh, they're still un, they're still undefeated. We're still preseason. We're still uh, training camp. We uh, no, we're a week away from uh, going after it with the Niners in uh, those joint practices. So uh, you know, all can still be uh. Jimmy Garoppolo can be a Pro Bowl quarterback, and they could uh, <laughs> contend for a Pro Bowl spot. Yeah, sure. It's going to be a, a good season, guys. Can, you never know. You never know. All right, well, I think we're going to jump out of here. Uh, you know, Hopefully, we can uh, ease up some of these uh, technical difficulties here and get uh, us all on better connection and whatnot and uh, try to get that uh, the queue working. But uh, 
Appreciate everybody for jumping in here and joining us. This should go up on the uh, State of the Nation podcast feed, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll be following training camp, and uh, hopefully have uh, have some content for you guys uh, next week when the uh, the Raiders and Niners get together for those joint practices. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Guys, later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.